Welcome everybody to The Lawyer and the Layman. Um, we're back with some more insurance and a f- very exciting one popped up in there. How are you, Jen? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. We are joined once again by Lauren. How, how's it going with you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Lauren is one of my colleagues at Chinda's Attorneys and she specializes in sectional title and insurance law. Um, you would have caught... Uh, listened to her podcast previously with regards to sexual titles and now we're actually dealing with quite a cool topic which a lot of people I'm not quite sure have heard of but we you'll find out about now is there was a momentum case where someone you can tell me if I'm wrong I just it's one of those things where you read something on social media you kind of read four lines and you, and you think you know the whole thing but you don't actually know the whole thing then you have like a massive opinion about the whole thing but you don't actually know the whole thing yeah. Yes, yeah. so there was momentum where this um individual died he was shot if i'm not mistaken he was shot, yeah. and yeah they repudiated his life insurance claim based on the fact that he wasn't honest about his blood sugar levels right. and yeah i think that's what gave momentum to lauren mm. to write this this yeah. whole thing. Wait, so A, why was he shot? <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> it sounded like a hijacking situation yeah. type of thing. So And then he wasn't clear about oh he lied about his blood sugar levels. On the proposal form, yes, when oh. inspecting the insurance. Yeah. So prior to So they repeated his claim. They basically were like So and what I think like Lauren she'll definitely go through now is that mm. there's not a link of how you die and why you lied. Yes. So people were like, He got shot, he didn't even die from a blood sugar attack or whatever. Yes. Like how can you repudiate yeah. his claim? So like what for me is the most important thing is like the first thing that I think we should discuss is actually the topic of like misrepresentation in insurance and what what is what is meant by many people say like good faith like what is good faith in an insurance policy like what does that even mean okay so basically mm. it's something that is required yeah um, basically it's, <laughs> it's the most important thing <laughs> yes it's just an onus that's played mm. placed on both contracting parties and that they need to actually um act well in good faith but also disclose things um freely mm. and um basically to the utmost of their ability so um you shouldn't be hiding anything from from your insurer and likewise they also owe you this duty do they know that he knew about his blood sugar when entering because for me i can maybe go and get insurance tomorrow and i don't know that i have diabetes yeah. like no that's I mean? different so yeah a misrepresentation you'd actually have to know about it mm. um to actually be misrepresenting so if you didn't know that you had cancer mm. or that you were diabetic and you went and you filled in proposal forms mm. how, how can it be held against you because you actually haven't done anything wrong um you haven't misrepresented any fact and it's yeah. a contract so essentially yes. like we talk about contracts and you and we enter into contracts every day whether they're commercial whether it's you coming down oh, you're sitting yeah, yeah there's yeah. always so like in terms of an insurance contract like what would so if i'm now so for example decide i need life insurance or any sort of insurance tomorrow what would i need to consider as a layman for to be valid if that makes sense like what are the requirements for an insurance contract so there's there's general requirements for every single contract yeah and there's six requirements what they are is consensus um, legality, formalities, possibility, capacity, and certainty. So without going into the whole like mm. legalese to actually bore you, I'd mm. say in relation to insurance contracts, consensus, sorry, consensus is the one you need to look out for. Mm. Like a meeting of minds. Yes. Of, yeah. um, especially in relation to the topic of misrepresentation because 
what happens with consensus, like Jane said, is there's a meeting of the minds. Um, both parties know exactly what they're contracting on and they agree to contract on those terms. Mm. So what happens with material misrepresentations mm. is that one of the parties either positively or negatively misrepresent mm. the truth mm. and this has an effect no, I don't have blue blood sugar what do you mean <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it basically negates the consensus because yeah. if the other party to the contract being the insurer in this instance had known about it they probably wouldn't have actually entered into the contract and if they ha- would still enter into the contract they'd probably vary the terms so mm. charge a higher price but how do you like sort that. of get how how do you test that you actually have consensus? Because, like, for instance, a lot of insurers will phone you um, in the middle of the day while you're in a meeting. And go, yeah. Hello, my name's from, I'm X, Y, and Z from X, mm. Y, and Z company. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, hold on, wait. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, like, all of a sudden it's like, yes, just just say yes. And now you now bought a home. Yeah. yeah. Yes, basically. <laughs> um, so all their calls are recorded at the end of the day. They're required to be recorded. Either they have to um, do some kind of, like, written underwriting or the calls have to be recorded. Mm. Um, so you can always phone them and ask to actually listen to the call recordings if you feel like you've been induced to like purchase something or you didn't agree to those terms type of thing but then are you not already in the contract or if you then decide no but that's, that's also like when the I... cpa now comes into play where it's like now you've you've been forced into by direct marketing and then you yeah. have a cooling off period and there's that which we'll do another podcast on which okay. is super interesting because the cpa also a lot of people don't actually know what's potting in yeah. that regard but like for me when it comes to misrepresentation insurance it's it's quite concerning because also now as attorneys, we're naturally going to be like, okay, take my blood, take a hair follicle test, like <laughs> yes, take everything because I don't want to misrepresent myself. Yes. But like say for example, like I got asked a question, um, have you in the, in the past had any um, issues with your blood sugar or whatever? And I say no, but I know that I do. Like what kind of misrepresentation would that be? Is, is there an active duty on me to say, um, I don't know if I don't know, or yes, if I know, like what? Because I know you you were discussing it earlier that there are different types of misrepresentation. Yeah. So there's positive and negative misrepresentations. So at the end of the day, um, both have the effect of potentially voiding the insurance policy. But what a positive misrepresentation is, is it occurs when the prospective insured makes an incorrect statement that has to do with the material fact to the insurer. Okay, so you're actually so, lying. It's a lie. Like, yes. Let's call it a spade a spade. Yeah. You're lying. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, an example would be if you intentionally answer a question in the underwriting process incorrectly. Mm. Whereas you compare it to a negative misrepresentation, which is an omission. So basically, um, when the prospective insured fails to disclose a material fact to the okay. insurer, this is what happened in the momentum case. Oh, so he didn't, so they didn't say, do you have low blood sugar? He didn't actually actively say, I have I low blood sugar. Or no, I don't have low blood sugar. He, yeah. They probably asked, are there any um, medical concerns that you have? That's or, still such a fine line. He has to remember all of the things low, at that time low like, blood ah, sugar yes. isn't like a thing no, like, I yeah. it, was, it was high um high insulin levels in his blood okay. so basically he would be like pre-diabetic yeah yeah because yeah. i know if i had to be like i actually remember it's going to sound quite dodgy but i i started um with a policy that came and they so i quit smoking like so when i filled in the form i was like no i do not smoke mm. and that weekend i got drunk and i had a cigarette and i was again. like why? It's not going to make a difference. And then they did blood tests. 
And I got a call and they're like, we found nicotine in your blood. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't lie. And I had to explain. I was like, just tick me as a smoker. Yeah. Just oh, like, yes. that's just the easiest thing. Because I I'm, I'm, wasn't a smoker, but I had a cigarette. So, yeah. There's different like classes I know they do as well. Are you a social smoker? How often do you smoke? Yeah, that's what they need. Yes, to I've yeah. seen that thing where they're like, how many cigarettes do you smoke? And you're like, well, I don't count them. It's like, yeah. how many yes. cigarettes do you count? Like, exactly. smoke a week. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Am I but lying? Is that how, a positive misrepresentation? Yes. How much have I had to drink that week? It could yeah. be different. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But like, so for me, obviously a lot of these matters end up in court because mm-hmm. it's a... So how I kind of see it is that insurance companies, even though this guy got shot, it was very, very sad. Social, It was went all over social media and then obviously the social momentum and the stigma kind of forced them to do things that you would do ethically as a human being but not really as a company like companies yeah. don't really care about their people let's be honest I know that sounds terrible but it's true so like yeah. yeah it's true so if say for example I had to go to court and there was a misrepresentation in terms of an insurance contract like what so what attorneys say we always apply tests there's always tests in yeah. it's like what test would you kind of apply in this regard Okay, so it's the test um, that was developed in the Otsuan municipality case. Mm-hmm. And basically, what it looked at is that in order to show that the repudiation and subsequent voidance of the policy was lawful, the insurer actually had to show that the material, sorry, that the misrepresentation mm-hmm. was material in the eyes of the reasonable man. And that had it known the truth, it would have declined to undertake the risk okay. or alternatively would have... Um, undertaken the risk at different terms so yeah so it's kind of like in like layman's terms this person actively lied so they could be on an insurance yes uh, like so they can be insured and that their premiums would be lower than what would kind of be if they disclosed it so they actually actively thought i'm going to lie because i'm going to benefit from it i mean if you look at it practically Mm. you think about it if they had known that this man was pre-diabetic they probably a would have actually Declined to insure him in respect of certain things, mm. so maybe um diabetic related deaths. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they may have um actually agreed to insure him for other things, such as what they did um like hijacking and death. Yeah. Um, they may have also just decided to insure him for totally, everything. Yeah. But, ha- oh. but had a really higher premium. Oh, so, but then so then I couldn't. Well, then I sort of see what people are saying because I mean, if they would okay, maybe not have insured him for diabetic deaths, but he gets eaten by a shark, for instance. Yes. Is that... Does that part of the contract not still stand? But because like, well, it was you've got misrepresentation, shark, no. it repudiates the whole thing. That's the problem. Yeah, you look at the actual requirements mm. of a valid contract, consensus being one. Mm. If you don't meet any of those six requirements, you don't have a valid contract. So the fact that there's a material misrepresentation, it doesn't matter that it's different to what you actually were killed by. You go back to when the, par- when the parties actually drafted the contract and mm. entered into the contract... Was there material misrepresentation? Was one of the parties' um, duties of good faith, did they actually adhere to it? At the end of the day, that wasn't the case. There was Mm -hmm. a material misrepresentation. And Momentum most likely wouldn't have actually entered into that contract. Or they would have entered into it on different terms if they had known, which is the crux of it. So, mm. but then you said that so yeah. what like actually happened? They end up paying a, a portion because yeah. of the social pressure. Like yeah. everyone was like, "How dare you just momentum?" But also, it's like one of those things where it's it, it kind of is is skewed because legally they yes. actually didn't have to pay it, but socially they paid it because obviously yeah. reputational damage yeah. and all of that. And I think it's also 
one of those biggest things which we deal with in every single relationship is the trust aspect. So yes. how would we kind of, like, when do you have, so let's say, a, like, I'm A and I'm a layman and I want to, like, I approach you and you momentum or whatever, yeah. insurance company, and I say I want insurance, X, Y, and Z. Request denied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> denied. You don't look very well. Denied. Um, when do you actually have that dis- like duty of di- to disclose and like when there needs to be a res- relationship of trust? Like, because it doesn't just happen naturally. Like, how do I know that walking into an insurance company, what my duties are, kind yeah. of thing? I mean, it, it's difficult because um, the, the duty of dis- to disclose mm. actually is incumbent on you in the negotiating process. Mm. So um, before you've actually concluded a, concluded a contract and you are their client, um, you actually have that duty to, to disclose on you. Mm. And um, it's just, it's important to actually educate yourself. Know um, what you're getting yourself into in different um, industries, especially contracts. We mm. all engage in contracts on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, you need to know that you need to be disclosing and but, what and to what extent. But they also need to guide you. So like yes. I can't walk into an insurance company and like put down a file of my life and be yeah. like, this yeah. is when I was sick. This is how I felt ill. Yeah, and yeah like, they will. Yeah, so exactly. So they'll ask questions. Like I know I was looking for car insurance now for my new car. And the one insurance company where I had a million accidents and my car got stolen, they quoted me like four and a half grand just for insurance. I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Then when I got asked from other insurance companies, they asked me like, like, like questions like, where is your car parked? How many accidents have you had? What was the like, claim? And if I wasn't honest with them, I presume if I was in a car accident and they knew that I was lying, I just said, contact my ex-insurer because things, I don't know that some of that information. So there's also a duty in my mind for them to investigate. Yes. They can't just be reliant on what you say. Um, mm. At the end of the day, mm. it depends on mm. how they work. Um, also, when asked those questions, I actually just say, refer to previous claims history mm. or not wanting to be bound by... What, what I you say, yeah, just how are you supposed to know? You, you can mm-hmm. forget these things. Mm, yeah. um, how many claims have I had in my entire life? Do I need to list them all? A million. Yes, everyone. There is the thing. Would that be, just because you forgot, would that be out of good faith? Would you now be acting in... Well, yeah, but that's when I think you also saying I did the exact same thing. When they're like, mm. how many previ- previous instances have you had? I'm like, I have so many... I think four, but it might be six. Wait, but you, you have I have so many. Yeah, no, so I literally was like, so many. And I was like, I can't tell you which date it was. Because like, I, I don't know that information. Mm. Yeah. But I said, like, mm. I know this is recorded. Obviously, because we are tuning in, like, I know this is recorded. And I'm not lying. And But that's what you kind of, I think, have to do. Be like, if you're acting in good faith, show that you're acting in good faith. I think it's also, um, if you look at the practical reason why they do it, they're obviously also running a business. They don't, mm. especially with things like motor, standalone motor. Yeah. It's a very, very risky policy. People are out in their cars all day. Mm-hmm. Um, accidents happen. Um, you, yes, are paying an insurance premium, but when you actually claim, it's much higher, the much amount higher, that they yeah. pay, pay back. And especially if you look at if they're paying it back in the first year, of um, you having insurance with them. Mm. So if you look at, at, at things like this, this is why they ask you for your claims history. They want to see if you're actually a bad claimer. Yeah, um, and how, they want to pay for like mm. a fortune. I think I pay and, one nine a month on insurance. Yeah, because that, they'll, they'll offset the risk mm. um, against the price at the end of the day. They also want to know the dates because a lot of the time people under the age of 25, their policies are endorsed for a higher excess mm. because they're just a higher risk because yeah. they're learning how to drive. 
Um, they want to know, these accidents out of the five you've had, how old were you when you had them? Are you a consistent risk? Do you still not know how to drive? That type of thing. And can they ask anything? Like, is there, when is like two, because obviously, and I, I think that's also when kind of poppy comes into us, although it's not in play now, but yeah. it's like, they can't be like, if I'm trying to get car insurance, they'll be like, okay, do you have, but actually it might be relevant, do you have epilepsy? Do you have this? Because I could have an epileptic fit and have a car accident. It's yeah. completely relevant. I think that goes more to your um, driver's license though. I know mm. like the driver's licenses, especially glasses mm. and these endorsements. So I think more when you actually go for your licensing tests, you have to be determined to be um, almost in like good medical health. But I know there's instances as well where um, like it's, just, it's quite a lot of time with older people mm. when they start having a lot of accidents, you actually send mm. them to get a, a medical and they, yeah, they should actually like, yeah. to yeah. stop driving. Yeah. Yeah. Like my grand definitely then yeah. got <laughs> off the road. She's a hazard. Could you do like, especially with like medical stuff, the sort of the opposite where you turn around and you say, okay, I'm just not going to find out anything about my medical health mm. to get cheap insurance. Cause then when they ask you like, I don't know. Well, I mean, um, at the end of the day, you probably could. It would probably just be like shooting yourself in the foot. But they do tests, surely. Like I've yeah. had blood tests they before. Yeah. They they do like yeah, I've had AIDS a blood test, test before. They do AIDS tests. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I'd, it would be weird if medical insurance would just rely on the good good word, word of each yeah. individual. I mean, it depends. Mm. You know, I think a lot of the time at renewal as well, they come out, they do AIDS tests, they do different tests. Um, it probably depends what insurer you're working through. So. You probably could find a system where you could lie and you could go get through work through loopholes. But at the end of the day, and I always say this in insurance law, it's just so important to actually be honest. Mm. Know that you are, especially long term insurance, mm. know that you're covered. So in the eventuality of your death, there aren't little things like this that come and out. And they'll try find For your family. Yeah. yeah. They will try it like because it's a business. Essentially yeah. it's at like, the end of the day. It's a complete business. And if they can find a loophole to not pay you, why wouldn't they find it? Like, they yeah. probably have a team of attorneys that go through yes. things like a fine-tooth comb in order to find certain loopholes. So, yeah, for me, my like, what I take from this is just be completely honest. And if you don't know what you're dealing with, ask. Yes, always. Like, literally just ask. Be like, please explain this to me. Like, kind of, I'm not quite sure what this means. And I think it's it's a it's a massive lesson because, as I said, claims will be repudiated. And, and it, it must be terrible being the attorney on the other side that's like, was had to say to my mentor, for example, don't pay the claim. When the yes. family's like in mourning, like it's not a nice thing to exactly to do. And if he was honest, then none of that would have happened. And then after the fact, the honesty of the of the um, policyholder gets brought into like disrepute and his question, mm. and that's also not fair for mm. the family. You know, no, of course, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, he because he he misrepresented himself. Like he's not a bad person. person. Yeah. Like I've probably done yeah. the same yeah. thing before. Yeah. So what happens, is there like any sort of course of action you can take if your claim has been mis- or repudiated? Mm. Yeah, so there's, a, there's, a, there's an ombud. So I would, mm. um, it depends. So either you can consult an attorney or you can refer the matter to the ombud. Mm. Um, it depends on the limits. If it's a more substantial claim, I would say um, definitely um, refer the matter to an attorney. Um, they know what they're doing at the end of the day and they'll know exactly how to guide you through the different areas of law. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you learned you. a lot of things yes, today. Yes, you did. Don't lie on your insurance, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like even, and also maybe check your medical because you also don't want to die. Yes. Yeah. That's part of it. That's like, <laughs> You don't go and go checkups yeah. in order to not pay, but then you end up dying because <laughs> yeah. you haven't checked yourself out. <laughs> Please visit the <laughs> doctor. Yeah. Sure. Thanks so much, Lauren. I really appreciate you coming and educating us on, on this, like really, for me, very important. I knew zero about it, but I feel like I know... Pretty a much. bit more, yeah. Yeah. Cool, thank you, Lauren. Do you want to give everyone your social media? Let people okay. know where to find you. Perfect. So on Instagram, you can find me. It's Lauren Squire. And then my email address is squire, which is S-Q-U-I-E-R at schindlers.co.za. Wonderful. And yeah, mine's the same. Jennifer um, on Instagram, at Jennifer Stoller. Um, at Jennifer Stoller underscore law. Jennifer Stoller, Facebook, Twitter, just the name. And email address Stoller at schindlers.co.za. Cool. You can find me at the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or at your Lisa Mkele for everything. Um, you can email us on lawyer and the layman, lawyer and layman at gmail.com. Please remember to like and subscribe. And thanks so much for listening, guys. Awesome.